0: Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, Red Stands for Blood.
1: It gets cold in Cairo at night. Friday night was particularly cold, and the tambourine was doing well. I had just put in a session at the till, and had started over to my office when Chris called me to the phone. A man was at the other end of the line, and his voice wavered like a palm tree in a windstorm.
2: Mr. Jordan. Yeah? Uh, This is... uh, My name is Jan Melnick. I I wish to inquire about renting your cafe tambourine for an evening. Oh, it can be done. I'm uh, expecting to have a big party, and I thought... Well, if we could get together on certain details.
1: We could certainly try.
2: Uh, Could you come to see me? My address is 207, Sharia Nazim, apartment 3.
1: Sharia Nazim?
2: Yes, please come. I expect you later this evening.
1: Mr. Melnick, Mr. Melnick. It sounded phony from the beginning. The Sharia Nazim winds through the poorest section of Cairo. Well, maybe Melnick won a lottery or something and was looking for a way to celebrate, so I decided to go out and see him. 207 Sharia Nazim turned out to be a wooden apartment building with a big lean-to. It was old and dirty, and it figured to be put together by a pile of scrap wood somebody fished out of the Nile. But I'd come a long way to see Melnick, so I wasn't going back.
3: I went. And Charlotte here, she just went and loused it up for you. (laughs) Didn't she, Danny? (laughs) Didn't she, Danny? You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Wherever polio menaces a single child, blood is needed. The gamma globulin in blood can blunt the effects of the disease. Wherever disaster of any kind strikes, blood must be rushed to save lives. The Red Cross warns us that blood donations have fallen off alarmingly, as they tend to whenever the weather calls us away in large numbers. The National Blood Program is vital to us all. Call your local chapter and make an appointment to give a pint of blood. Don't let disaster catch American napping.
0: The August evening leans close to Broadway, whispers promises into its ear. There, in the dark, beyond the whirling lights, the lacy dream. And there, on the edge of laughter, the face that darts behind the smoky warmth and disappears. Across the street now, in the fast, hard clack of a woman's heels, to turn a corner and she's gone too, back again into the darkness. And somehow, that's the way it is. All the promises, just a smile away. Always across the street and around the corner. Run after them, because when August is done, another year starts dying. An evening at headquarters. Danny? Come on in, Mugovan. You got something? A few things. Danny? Yeah, what? You miss Tartaglia? I really do, Mugovan. I got a card from him. Uh, Dear Officer Mugovan, having a fine time, wish you were. He meant wish you were here. Couldn't get it all in the card. He wrote
2: smaller than mine, he got it all in.
0: What's Gino doing in Baltimore with his cousin Kendall, Danny? I thought he didn't
1: like his cousin Kendall. His wife likes his cousin.
2: For a price, could you not be both? Maybe. Who are you hiding out from? That I cannot tell you as yet. And then I don't figure we can get together.
1: But Mr. Joe, I want to know who you're hiding from and what you've
2: done. Nothing that you need to be overly concerned about. Why not go to the police? They're in the protection business. Because this is and must remain a private matter.
1: Well, then keep it real private, Melnick, and leave me out.
2: Just a moment, Mr. Jordan. Yeah? I was willing to pay 50 pounds. I can double it. Sorry. Mr. Jordan, this is more important to me than you can imagine. I need someone like you. I need a man who I can trust. And... No deal, oh. Melnick. Just isn't my right. Yes. Yes, of course. I'm sorry to have bothered you, Mr. Jordan. I'll be most glad to pay you for any inconvenience I've put you to. Now, forget it. I'll be seeing you. I hope so, Mr. Jordan. Yes, I hope so. A pathetic look
1: came over his face as I turned from him, and he shut the door softly behind me. I took about two steps down the hall when things began to happen. <laughs> I threw open the door and looked inside. Melnick was hugging the floor and there was a face outside the broken window. It was big and it was red. It was topped off with a flock of red hair and a beard to match. And its owner was packing a smoking gun and an ugly look. When he saw me, his free arm came up to cover his face. I saw his gun move and I ducked back into the hall. As he tried for me with the bullets he had left. Then it was quiet. I looked inside. The face was gone. Nothing was there. Just Melnick lying in a pool of blood on the floor, dead. I put in a quick call to Captain Sam Sabaya, the Cairo police. After two cigarettes and a lot of questions by the assorted lodgers of the apartment house, Sam got there with Sergeant Greco and a couple of his boys.
4: Jordan, someday you must tell me why it is you always manage to be where there is trouble. Oh, I guess it's a gift, Sam. Yes, it must be something like that. Yeah. So this is the dead man. That's real observant. Show more respect to the captain of police, Mr. Jordan. That is all right, Sergeant. Let him have fun while he can. Who is the dead man, Jordan? His name is Jan Melnick. He's a street photographer. Hmm, Hard of hearing, I see. This is somewhat of a novelty for me, a corpse with a hearing aid. Sergeant. Uh, Yes, Captain. You will examine the body and the room. Jordan and I will be in the hall. Uh, Yes, of course, Captain. Jordan, come outside. We have something to talk about.
1: Go ahead, Sam. You're in charge. What were you doing out here, Jordan?
4: Drumming up some business. Jordan, I must ask you to cooperate. But that's it, Sam.
1: He called me up said he wanted to rent the tambourine for a night. When I got out here, I found out that he was a fake. He really wanted me to take a trip with him to Alexandria. What for? Bodyguard. Who was after him, Jordan? Uh, He didn't say.
4: Are you sure
1: he didn't say? Oh, he's off, Sam. You're getting a lot of information. I think I can give you the killer's
4: name. Well, this is, as you would say a switch yeah well melnick called out kafka just before he was killed kafka you can supply a description of the man all i saw was his face Looked like a stop signal red hair red beard and you can identify him if you see him again yep very well jordan i will look through our files and if i find the picture of a man who fits your description you will get the opportunity to identify him all right you do that and let us hope for your sake If there is such a man. And I'll be home sleeping. Oh, just one moment, Jordan. Uh, What's it now? Since you are my only witness, let us hope you manage to stay alive. (laughs) Sure, sir. I'll work on it real hard.
1: I made it a point to keep my promise and went home to bed over the tambourine. I slept sound, but not for long. The light in my eyes that woke me wasn't coming from the window. It was still dark outside. It was the ceiling light. I wondered how I'd failed to turn it off. About then I decided I was dreaming. And not a bad dream. She stood at the foot of my bed looking at me with dark brown eyes. Her black hair was drawn slickly back from her slim furlots
0: and be interrupted. Nick and wanted in connection with murder of Hilda Bruce, was picked up and held at 12th precinct. So go there.
5: Hello, Nick. Bring a whip or something? Cut it up. Well, this is my first time in. Whatever I say, it's on account of that. So if I ask, that you bring the thumbscrew, you just realize I'm a new boy at this sort of thing. What well,
0: made it so tough to find you, Nick? Why should I be looked for? Come on, come on. No, but... why should I? When did you find out, Hilda Bruce, had been murdered?
5: Yesterday morning, late. From the papers? That's right. And
0: all the late editions carried your name that we were looking for you? And
5: I asked myself why I should be looked for, like I'm asking myself now and getting no answer. But you ran. Oh, now, listen, mister. I'm no competition for anything like murders or police departments. You know what a schnook is? Someone says that word around you. He means a guy like me. Harmless. Most what I want is, please, don't bother me. Leave me alone. Because what have I possibly got that you could possibly want? Who killed her? I don't know. You see what I mean?
0: How about her neighbor, Miss Lane? Who killed her?
5: I don't know. Guy like me? How could I know?
0: Nick, I understand Hilda was in
5: love with you. I'm honored. But no killer. Where were you the night before last? Oh, Nick. Nick. It so happens uh, the young lady in my neighborhood, uh, she's fond of me.
0: She's your alibi,
5: huh? Well, she's gone to summer school. I, I happen to be very good in algebra. She's making up in algebra. Look, you gotta drag her in. Listen, a guy like me... Uh, her name is Toba Ramson. She lives up on Tremont. Another reason why you ran, honey. I have told you everything I know. Hang me, shoot me, feed me to the gorillas. I have told you everything I know.
3: Oh!
0: Mm-hmm. It's me, Danny, Detective Muggerman.
4: So turn around and take
0: a look at me, huh? Sure. Uh, you look hot, Muggleman. I walk to the neighborhoods, I get hot. Sweat through my coat, wilt my collar. It's a quirk with me. why right, take off your coat? It's allowed, huh? What's
1: eating you? Lay off. I just lay off. All right. On the phone.
2: It means that such a man who tells such tales makes life uncomfortable for Kafka.
1: So? What's he gonna do about it?
2: Kafka suggests that, uh, If suddenly this man Jordan's memory fails and he can no longer identify the man who killed Melnick, then uh, this man Jordan may find himself somewhat richer.
1: That doesn't appeal. I'm getting tired of money.
2: I will give you a moment to reconsider. It's
1: a waste of time. You also took a couple of shots at me, Kafka. That doesn't make us friendly. Jordan? Then I don't like getting pushed around because somebody's looking for some sort of negative I'm supposed to have. Or uh, you know what I'm talking about.
2: Might I suggest, Mr. Jordan, that you do not go back to sleep? I am thinking that you have such a short time to live. You should enjoy yourself. Ah.
1: The whole thing was beginning to irritate. I threw on some clothes and headed down to police headquarters to do a little screaming at Sabaya. It was a little after seven when I got there. As Sabaya rocked back and forth in his squeaky chair, he looked tired figured he'd spent the night there sergeant greco stood by his side
6: well captain mm. look who has come to visit us
1: this isn't a
4: visit greco it's business
1: yeah we have some with you too jordan looks like you two boys have been
4: hatching up something jordan sergeant greco and i have spent the night looking through our files to find a picture of the man you say killed jan merlin yes mr Jordan. just a moment and, sergeant. Uh, 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 jordan this is the picture we found that fits the description you gave us Look at this. Oh, sure. Is this the man? Yeah, that's the one. Red face, red beard and hair. You are sure, Jordan? We do not want you to make a, a mistake. Oh, I'm sure all right, Sam. Nobody else would come that ugly. There you are, Captain. I told you, Just Mr. Jordan... a moment, Sergeant. Jordan, you do not wish to change your decision that this is a photograph of the man who killed Melnik. What are you getting at? What is it you're trying to do, Jordan? But Sam... Why I... are you lying to us? Hey, what's going on? This is a photograph of a man who has been dead for two years. Jordan, I think perhaps that we had better keep you here until you decide to tell the truth.
0: You're listening to Red Stands for Blood, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Here's a quick summary of Adventure Mystery on CBS. Inner Sanctum on Monday. Mr. and Mrs. North and Mystery Theater on Tuesday. Suspense, Crime Photographer, Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, and the FBI in Peace and War on Thursdays. Gangbusters, Philip Marlowe and Escape on Saturdays. Don't miss Mystery on CBS. now we return you to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, Red Stands for Blood.
1: When you see a man with a gun throwing slugs your way, you have to remember what he looks like. I'd have bet my last piaster I could identify the red face, red hair and beard of the man I saw kill Jan Melnick... And when Captain Sam Sabaya pulled that man's picture from the police files, I said he was the one. I was still sure of it when Sam pulled the clincher. According to police records there at headquarters, the killer I had identified had been dead for two years. I didn't like the way Sam and his number one boy, Sergeant Greco, were looking at me.
4: Now, Jordan, perhaps you will be more careful with your information. Who killed Jan Melny? That's his picture, Sam. Mr. Jordan, Captain Sabaya just told you that man has been dead. Yeah, I heard him, Greco. (laughs) What's the lowdown on Kafka, Sam? Eh? He was a native of Turkey, an international thief who would stop at nothing. Not much I'll believe. What makes you so sure he's dead? Make me. Stu- I, I have the complete report here. Two years ago, the Turkish authorities finally caught up with him. Kafka's speeding car went off a cliff into the Bosporus. It was very deep.
7: Th- and my mother was dead. <laughs>
0: Nighttime blares down Broadway and the street gathers it up like a passion and threaded against the dark, the million fragments, neon and roar and melting shapes and shock and plots of crowd. It's a fury that sweeps you up and holds you close and throws you into the gutter of your choice. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world.
3: The program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Sheldon Leonard was heard as Harry March, and George Peroni as Jimmy Bruce. Featured in the cast were Trude Marson, Martha Wentworth, and Lawrence Dobkin. Bill Anders speaking. Every Sunday night, a two-fisted He-Man takes you down a danger-studded road to mystery adventure on CBS Radio. Meet Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective, Sunday evening on most of these same stations. You'll thrill every minute as action-loving Diamond comes to grips with criminals and killers, cutting through subterfuge, putting his neck in a gangland noose in interest of justice. Richard Diamond, Sunday evening on CBS Radio. Don't miss him. Remember, for thrilling dramas of escape, listen Sunday nights to the CBS Radio Network.
5: Broadway's My Beat,
3: with Anthony Ross as Detective Danny Clover.
8: Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. That's the street I'm walking I was heading for the courthouse one day, thinking of a phone call I got from Judge Summers. Said he could use a cop with the wisdom of Solomon. I
9: met the judge in his chambers, wondering why he had picked me. Why you, Lieutenant Clover? Uh, Because I have a problem for a cop who can think like a judge, Danny. For a cop's pay or a judge's, Your Honor. (laughs) A young woman is in New York looking for her father, Danny. He disappeared 10 years ago. She's applied to Missing Persons Bureau, and she doesn't know it yet, but they've located him. They don't know what to do about it, so they've asked my advice, and I'm asking yours. Oh, I don't get it, Judge. If, I mean, if they've found him, what's the problem? Human relations. Her hmm? father was located a prisoner in Sing Sing. Served ten years. Tomorrow, he comes out on parole. He insists that his identity be kept from his daughter. That she be told her father is dead. But, Judge, uh, how does this... Uh, I mean, where do you or I... Where do come... we come in, Danny? Mm-hmm. Well, let's say through sheer sentiment. You see, I was the judge who sentenced him, and you were the arresting officer. Oh. Who's the prisoner, Judge? Nelson Jennings. Remember the case? Nelson Jennings? Ten years ago? Yes. A writer. Manslaughter. Got in a fight with a drunk at a nightclub. The drunk died of a heart attack as the result of the fight. Yeah. Yeah, it comes back.
8: He was nightclubbing with his wife. A, a no-good stew at the next table passes. An insulting remark to Mrs. Jennings. A... Yeah. Yeah, and no. Well, what guy wouldn't haul off,
9: Judge? <laughs> I always did think you gave Jennings a pretty hard ride. His victim died a pretty long death, Danny. Uh, yeah. I'll admit, though, I may have been a bit severe then. But today, Danny, in a similar case, I... Well, I suppose I would be inclined to temper justice with mercy. Uh, this daughter, Judge,
8: who's looking for him now, uh, you mean she actually hasn't known her father's been in the
9: big house for ten years? That's right. Hmm. From what I'm told, she grew up believing her father dead. That's the way the Jennings wanted it. And that's the way he insisted his wife play it. Oh, what happened to the wife? Ruth's mother died recently. And on her deathbed changed the story, Danny. Said Jennings was alive and somewhere in New York. But she still kept the real truth from the girl. How old is the girl now? Mm, She's 20. She was 10 when all this happened. Judge, uh, what is it you want me to do? Danny, Hmm? I want you to talk to them both. Now, a daughter wants her father. Mm -hmm. The father prefers to be dead, his past unrevealed, so his child won't be stigmatized. He's paid his debt and feels that the law owes him this one request. Oh, where is our responsibility, Danny? It's a hard decision. You visit them both and decide. Do what you think best. I'm leaving it up to you. Judge Summers, you you told me you
8: wanted a cop with the wisdom of Solomon. That's right. <laughs> well, I'll sure need it. Uh,
9: you say Jennings is due out tomorrow, hmm? Yes. And I hope he never violates his parole and that he's learned to control his temper. Now, where can I find the daughter? On your beat. Cleveland Hotel. Ruth Jennings. Judge. Yeah? What was it Solomon finally did decide?
6: Lieutenant Clover. I beg you, let me have my way in this. My child must not find me. She mustn't, never. Fellow, fella, be reasonable. I know how you feel, but well, after all, she came to New York to find her father. She's and... better off without a father like me. Oh. I won't ruin her life like I ruined her mother's. A ten-year stretch is a long time. I'm an old man now. I died for my family's sake ten years ago. All I asked of them was that they bury me and live. And you still think that made sense? Yes. Look at my daughter now. Shortly before my wife died, she wrote me that Ruth's engaged to be married. Do you know who to? Let me tell you, Lieutenant. To young Johnny Milton, who comes from a very prominent family in Indianapolis. Do you think that could have happened if the Miltons ever knew Ruth's father was a convict? Do you think Ruth would go through with it if she knew? You win, Jennings. Lieutenant. Yes? You saw my daughter. Yeah. How does she look?
8: How? <laughs> Jennings, for a guy who insists he's dead, you're darn curious. But I'll tell you anyway. In one word, sweep.
7: You're sure, Lieutenant Clover? There's no trace of my father anywhere?
8: I'm sorry, Miss Jennings. Is it? Nothing turned up yet. But, uh, what made you think he was in New York?
7: Oh, just a feeling. Mother used to take trips to New York. Never told me why. Left me with Grandma. And when she came back, she'd be crying. Mm-hmm. Well, then just before she died, she told me for the first time that Father wasn't dead, that he was somewhere, and that he still loved us very much. Mm.
8: So you think your mother's trips to New York were to see him?
7: Hmm? Yes, there's, there's some mystery about it all. Lieutenant, he's alive. Don't ask me how I know, but I know it. He's alive and he's somewhere in New York. Oh, please, please don't stop looking for him.
8: What if I do find him, Ruth? And what if he isn't... Well, everything you'd like to... I mean, thats say that something's happened to him. Oh, and...
7: Lieutenant, I'd love my dad no matter what's happened. He's my father, and well, even if he turned up with... Oh, with one leg, No, no,
8: no, not in illness, I mean, but something even worse than that. But what have you learned that he... Well, this couldn't happen to him, but you never can tell. What if you found out, say, that your father's been in prison? In prison? Yeah. I mean, would that make a difference? Would you prefer to return home without finding that kind of a father?
7: Oh, of course not. I think I'd love him even more then, because he'd need me more. Oh, a father's a father.
8: Oh, what about the man you're going to marry? Hm, what have he learned? And his folks? Maybe all your wedding... Johnny
7: pl- and I are in love, Lieutenant. Even if his parents would be shocked, it couldn't make any difference to him. And if it did, I'd never want to marry him because, well, then he wouldn't deserve my love.
8: Oh, Ruth, you can't imagine how glad I am to hear you talk like that. You've got a right to know, Ruth.
7: You mean, you mean he's alive? My father's alive? Mm Mm-hmm.
8: He's been in Sing Sing for the last ten years. He got out just yesterday on parole.
7: Ten years? Oh, poor Dad. No,
8: no, no, no. Really, an accident. You see, your father's no criminal, Ruth. He he hit a man who insulted your mother, and the man died of a heart attack. Any real husband would have done just what your father did. You've you've got nothing to be ashamed of. He he just got a tough break. You see, the judge... Then
7: we'll be together. Something told me I'd see my father again.
8: No, Ruth, I'm, I'm afraid you won't.
7: What do you mean? Why not?
8: He doesn't want to see you. He, he wants to keep playing dead. Begged me never to tell you. I, I promised I wouldn't. Oh,
7: but after all these years, how can you even think of it? No, I'm going right to wait,
8: him. I... Wait, wait. It's his life. And that's the way he wants to live it, for your welfare. But
7: now that I'm about to get married, all the while I, I thought I had no mother or father to advise me. And and now that I have a father, oh, if you'd only see my Johnny, give me his consent. Ruth,
8: all I can say is that it would it would kill your father to know that you knew. After these ten years, he's he's built it up in his mind. And you've got to humor his wish. Oh, well, maybe someday he'll come to you on his own, but till then.
7: How how does he look, Lieutenant? Gray. Daddy, Gray?
8: Mm. Do you remember him at all? Oh, yes. How? How do you remember him?
7: Young? Oh. oh, if I could only see him again, if, if just for a moment. Lieutenant, isn't there a way somehow? I, I can just get a glimpse of him without him knowing?
8: Well, I, I don't see sir. Exactly...
7: Oh, please, please, it would mean so much to me. Can't you arrange it somehow?
8: Could be. I know the rooming house he's staying oh. in. It's off-Broadway. I can look. let you... I've got an idea. Listen, Ruth, now look. If you'll just do what I say, I think I can fix something... <laughs>
6: What did you say, Lieutenant? I said, Would you like to just.
7: He was
2: a good man.
0: It's CBS again at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo at the Café Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role, the story by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Aron. Larry Thor speaking, this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.